The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tuesday edition of PFTPM. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio. Coming up later this hour, a conversation with Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert. You saw a little snippet of Najee Harris there, their first-round pick, a player that many had attached to the Steelers, and you'll hear Colbert talk about whether and to what extent there was concern that they weren't going to get him because too many people had pegged him as a Steeler, but they got him, and we got Colbert, and we'll talk about that coming up. Shereen, good afternoon. How are you? I'm still waiting for that Kellen Mond jersey to make its appearance once they're created, and you could do a custom one between now and then. We could just assume it's going to be 11, custom-made Kellen Mond jersey, and that could hang there until we get the official one. Well, you're going to laugh, but I actually did go on NFL.com last night just to see if he had a jersey yet, and it said Mon Zero, so no jersey yet for Kellen Mond, but yeah, I think we probably assume he's going to be number 11, Mike. I wonder if there is some sort of strange deference to Dante Culpepper, who had in 19... 19- no, 2004, I'm getting my decades wrong, 2004, had one of the best individual quarterback performances for a full season in league history. The problem is Peyton Manning had a better performance that year, so you don't think about Dante Culpepper's year, but then it was the next year he tore the ACL, and that was that. But he was looking like a guy who could be really special. I don't know whether they're showing any deference to him, but I don't know why else they wouldn't just go ahead and issue number 11 right now to Kellen Mond because that's the number he wore at Texas A&M. Terry Bradshaw wore number 12. Aaron Rodgers wears number 12. We played earlier today on PFT Live the clip of Bradshaw from Moose and Maggie on WFAN where Bradshaw went in on Aaron Rodgers regarding the way he's handling the Green Bay Packers. Terry Bradshaw realizing that taking on Aaron Rodgers could be good for business. He's on today with Colin Coward and his name is trending on Twitter. Here's Terry Bradshaw earlier today with more criticism of the reluctant Packers quarterback. While Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal, look, he's an incredible player. But I could sit here and tell you right now, he has probably uh, the worst footwork I've ever seen for a starting quarterback. I mean, he, but uh, I was talking to uh, uh, John Zarnecki this morning. And I said, he's an amazingly accurate. He protects the football. He puts up monster numbers. But his footwork is all over the place. And I don't know if that's because he got hit a lot. He's out of position and doesn't trust his lineman. Very seldom steps into a throw. Pretty impressive, actually. But I do believe they are are, uh, a little bit pampered. A lot of coaches uh, would say, you know what? He deserves to be pampered. He's this. He's that. And I say, look, you signed the contract. You've got a couple of years left on that. If you want to be like Tom Brady, play out your contract and then move on. But in this case, you can't force Aaron Rodgers coddled maybe too much. He has no right to want to get the GM fired. What right does he have? No more right than I have to call Eric Shanks and say, tear my contract up. I had a really good year. And, I'm, and you go, well, you've got four years left on it. 
Yeah, but I had a really good team. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot there. There's a lot there. I want to start at the end and work my way backward to the extent I remember the stuff that will be on the back end. Remember with NFL players, there are two contracts that govern the relationship with the team. The individual contract with the organization and the broader contract between the union and the league. And the player has rights under both contracts. And the player has mechanisms for exerting leverage, has a right to not show up for training camp if he's willing to suffer the financial consequences. So you can, you can, as an NFL player, take advantage of certain rights that you have under the CBA. Now, if you're a rookie with fewer than three years in the NFL, you got no rights because there's nothing you can do to get a new contract. But for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, there are things you can do. So I, I just want to start right there and say, let's not get this twisted because this is broader than the contract that Aaron Rodgers has with the Green Bay Packers. Now, now, it's true he'd have a hell of a lot more leverage if his contract expired, like Tom Brady's did. And it's true that Aaron Rodgers always grabs the bag, as the kids say, and signs a long-term deal that puts him under contract with the Packers for multiple years into the future, and he's got three more years. So, yes, he is under contract, and yes, that is part of the leverage the Packers have. But this is very different, Shireen, than the individual contract that a Terry Bradshaw would have with Fox because there's no broader union contract that Terry Bradshaw could rely upon to give him rights to try to force the Packers to do something they don't want to do. Mike, this is why I love you because you're so good at breaking down the legal stuff and the contract stuff, and it's just another example of that, and you're exactly right. And let's just remember, too, the error that that Terry Bradshaw played in the 1970s, there was no free agency, right? And it was called the no trade league back then because they didn't make trades. Quarterbacks had no leverage at that point when Terry Bradshaw played. They have leverage now. They figured that out and they're using that leverage like they've never used it before. And I think we're seeing that in this example of, of Aaron Rodgers. And he does have leverage, despite what all these old school people want to say. He has no leverage because he's under contract. He does have leverage. He absolutely has leverage. So now it may force him to retire and pay back the money that he owes the Packers of signing bonuses and roster bonuses that have already been paid. And you've written a, a great article about that, Mike, $44.5 million he'd have to pay back. But he does have leverage. Let's get that straight right now. He has absolute leverage. Yes. Uh, the world is different when it relates to football players. And Tom Brady has demonstrated that. And Tom Brady has psychologically wrecked multiple franchises this year by leaving the Patriots, mm -hmm. winning a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, and demonstrating to all great quarterbacks out there that there is another way. I think it's a combination of Antonio Brown tweeting his way out of Pittsburgh one year and then Tom Brady managing to walk out of New England with no contract to hold him in place the next. And it kind of morphed together and it's given quarterbacks who are under contract a realization that there are still options that you have despite the fact that you're under contract. Where this goes for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers still remains to be seen. I believe firmly that this is all strategic, this is all calculated, that everything that happened last week was something that Rodgers desired to have happen. And you're starting to see reports along the lines of, well, Rodgers didn't intend for any of this to happen. His camp didn't leak it. Well, why in the hell would the Packers <laughs> leak all of it? Why would they put out there, for example, that Rodgers wants Brian Gutekunst 
the GM of the team fired and then lie about the sourcing of it, that it came from Rogers camp. I think all of this came from Rogers camp. And I think Rogers wants to have plausible deniability. I've heard that he's told at least one teammate. I don't know what the big deal is. Now, there's a difference between hearing that through the grapevine and having Rodgers say, I don't know what the big deal is, but maybe he's just testing that out to see how people react to it. I don't buy it. I think it's too late for him to do the Steve Urkel, did I do that nonsense or you know, pretend that it's not what it is because he knows what's going on. He sees the reaction. He liked the Devontae Adams tweet. So you know, we're in this holding pattern. The Packers aren't going to say or do anything right now. What's Rodgers going to say? What's he going to do? And it will be very disappointing if he tries to act like this was something that didn't happen or something that he didn't have a spoon in the stew for. It's too late for him to try to walk this back. It's been out there for five days now, Shereen. Well, and it started, Mike, let's back up even farther than that. On the day after the season ended or immediately after the game, in that follow-up press conference when he basically laid it out there, what he wanted, and and it sounded like there was some unhappiness there and talked about the beautiful mystery of his future and all those sorts of things. So this has been ongoing for months now, and it's kind of uh, sped up over the past few days. And like you said, who knows where this is headed? I always thought Aaron Rodgers would return for one more year, and I think probably that was the Packers' plan. Maybe not not their initial plan, but once he won the MVP award, I think that was their plan. And I think their plan changed along the way, but Aaron Rodgers may be changing their plan along the way too, saying, I don't like this. I want out of Green Bay. But it almost seems like, Mike, like he wants his cake and to eat it too. Like he wants to leave Green Bay is what it sounds like to me, but he doesn't want the fans to hate him. He wants the fans to still like him in Green Bay, and that's probably not going to be possible. I get it. He didn't draft Jordan Love. I get that. They drafted his replacement. But nonetheless, this exit is not going to be pretty, and Packers fans are not going to like Aaron Rodgers the way this he's exiting Green Bay. And you hit the nail on the head. The idea that he wants to be able to get out of Green Bay without alienating the fan base. We already heard a little pandering to the fan base on Saturday after Mike Tirico had spoken with Rodgers at the Kentucky Derby. Paraphrased some of the things Rodgers said. He loves Green Bay. He loves the fans. He loves the franchise. The fans are caught between the Packers and the quarterback. And I think this is why the Packers are willing to call his bluff. They don't think he'll ultimately put his name to it. They don't think he'll ultimately say out loud publicly, privately, yes, because he has. Look, he's dragged them out there at least three times to California to genuflect, to kiss the ring, to kiss the ass, to kiss whatever, to get Aaron Rodgers in a mindset to show up and play. And there's no, hey, problem solved, new contract. The new contract is the thing that would let us know that it's problem solved and everything's fine. So there's clearly something privately that's been communicated that publicly hasn't. You hit the nail on the head. He doesn't want the fans to get upset with him. Uh, and, and that's the, the strongest card the Packers have because they know. They know he's going to be very reluctant to do that. And, you know, I, I, look, I wrote something today, and I fully and firmly believe this. Some Packers fans are upset that I'm even pointing it out. Packers fans should be upset with everyone here. They should be upset with the Packers for the way they handled the situation last year with Jordan Love. 
and they should be upset with Aaron Rodgers for pulling the pin on the grenade the first day of the draft when Brian Gutekunst and the rest of the front office needed to be focused exclusively on the draft. You don't need this distraction when you're trying to go out and draft the best players you can and make good trades and do all the things necessary to make the team better. They don't need that headache. And Aaron Rodgers deliberately gave him that headache. So if I'm a Packers fan, I, I'm I'm upset with everybody right now, Shireen. And, uh, and, and I think that Aaron Rodgers already, through five days of silence, because you, you also hit the nail on the head when you said the last time around when this came up after the NFC Championship game, what did he do? He went on Pat McAfee's show two days later and said, oh, no, oh, no, no, well, you got me all wrong. Oh, no, no, I'm, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, he said everything, but we could all be dead by Sunday. This time around, he's not going on anywhere and he's not saying anything. If, and, and he's smart enough to know how the fire is raging. If he had anything to say to walk it back, he would do it. Silence is deafening. Silence is confirmation, given these circumstances. Well, there's no question. I think silence speaks to his efforts to get out of Green Bay and do it graciously where Packers fans still like him. And I just don't think that's possible at this point. There's just too much in the water right now for, as you said, put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste uh, holder. You just can't do it at this point, the tube, but you just can't do it. I mean, it's out there. All of this is out there. He's going to get traded at some point, whether that's this year that this has sped that up or next year uh, when he doesn't show up to training camp and everything else or he plays out this year and he's going to be traded after this year. But at some point soon, Mike, Aaron Rodgers no longer is going to be the Packers quarterback. That's just reality of this. And it was reality the day they drafted Jordan Love that it was going to be his team at some point. And that timeline seems to be speeding up at this point. I think toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder is kind of a <laughs> Simsism. I think you've been watching too much BFT Live and Sims has been influencing you. I like it, though. I like it. It is. And, and, and look, you're right. One of the things that bothers me about NFL fandom generally. When there's a fight between the billionaires and the millionaires, the fans align with the billionaires. The fans align with the team. The team's always going to be there. The players are going to come and go. And Aaron Rodgers is so close to the end that, yeah, he's going to be gone anyway. So they're eventually going to gravitate to the Packers. Nothing Aaron Rodgers says or does is going to make the average Packers fan stop being a Packers fan. It's not going to happen. So you're not going to win that fight. Now, maybe you can pull it off the way Tom Brady did, but Tom Brady's contract expired, and Tom Brady won six Super Bowls. He got the benefit of the doubt. No one was upset with Tom Brady. And also, Patriots fans kind of saw the team wasn't very good. And is it Tom Brady? Is it the team? You know, it just, it felt like it was time for it to end. 20 years was enough. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have 20 years in, and he only has one Super Bowl win with the Packers. So I think it's a, it's a different situation altogether. And he is going to risk, if he isn't already alienating fans, and I think he is alienating some, he, he's going to alienate more the longer this goes. And if he tries that, I didn't mean any of this. I don't know what the big deal is. I haven't been paying attention to social media. I've been, you know, none of that's going to work. There's too much out there for him to try to act like any of it is false and that he didn't have a hand in making sure that it all happened when it did the first opening night of the draft since last year when the Packers stunned him 
with the Jordan Love selection. Quick item of news, multiple reports indicating Juwan James, the Broncos' right tackle, suffered a season-ending Achilles injury while working out. I assume that's at the team facility. If it, if it is, he's protected. He gets his full salary this year. If it isn't, he's going to be out of luck. That's one of the pressure points between the league and the union. James opted out last year. Last Opted out last year. Simsism for me. And yeah. uh, uh, and he, so he's working his way back in. And, and you know, what, what we're going to hear, some of the old school get-off-my-lawn football types, well, see, that's what happens when you opt out. You come back and you get injured. But the bottom line is Achilles injuries happen anytime. Unpredictable. They can happen anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Happen to Juwan James. He's out for the year. And it happens a week after the draft where they can't address that that situation via a rookie that they would have selected in one of their various picks. And I'm looking at their picks now. I see a guard. And that's it. As offensive linemen go for the Denver Broncos. So Aaron Rodgers needs a new right tackle in Denver, right? Oh, that well, that's there you go. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, maybe they're going to have to throw a tackle in to the trade pile when they sit down and work this out. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver. And it's a little too late this year for it to happen. But will he be a magnet like Tom Brady was for certain players? So uh, we'll see. Um, okay. What else is happening? How about Marcus Peters on the Akib Talib podcast with a message for the Los Angeles Rams? Let's listen to what Marcus Peters had to say. I was pissed off more so because I'm at so a. So you was pissed off? Oh, yeah. Him. That's how I was feeling. And I'm still feeling like that because it, I felt disrespected in, in the sense of, yeah, y'all can trade me. That's a part of the business. But two minutes after that, you bring in another guy who do the same as I do, maybe a little bit different. If, if, and if we play this compare game, I do a little bit more. That was disrespectful to me. If we hung on a little bit more, we had a chip year that year too. I don't think we was the problem. I don't think that we were the issue that was that was holding, holding the Rams back from taking the steps of where we needed to get to. Let me just say this. I appreciate the fire. I appreciate the profanity. I appreciate the intrigue. There is no football fan with any ounce of knowledge of the game that is going to think that Marcus Peters and Jalen Ramsey are on the same level. None whatsoever. Jalen Ramsey is here. Marcus Peters is here. And before the Rams gave up on Marcus Peters, the Chiefs sent him to the Rams when they could after a few years with Peters. And I remember when I first started hearing the rumblings that Peters was potentially going to be traded. I had all the Chiefs fans up in arms. You're crazy. Fake news. What are you saying? What are you doing? And then, aha, what happened? Marcus Peters gets traded. Look, Marcus Peters has always been kind of a problem, kind of a pain in the butt in the locker room. You, you saw the attitude there. I like it, but within the confines of a football team, not ideal. Now, John Harbaugh knows how to deal with it, and, and the Ravens are getting the most out of Marcus Peters. But I, I just I can't get past the idea that you can't put Marcus Peters and Jalen Ramsey in the same conversation, Shereen. All due respect to Marcus Peters. Yeah, Mike, you look at Marcus Peters has three Pro Bowls, right? He's been traded twice. And it's not like he was traded for first-round draft picks. It's not like he was traded for a bunch of good stuff. He wasn't. He was a throwaway uh, in a deal because the teams were ready to move on from him, and the Rams felt like they upgraded. And In fact, for what they paid for Jalen Ramsey, it better be an upgrade. Good Lord, as much as they gave up. I didn't necessarily like the trade because of all they gave up. 
but he is better than Marcus Peters. There's no question about that. But NFL players, as we know, Mike, they use whatever they can to keep that chip on their shoulders. And this is just another example of that. Just let, just keep working on that chip and just keep working and grinding and, and being disrespected. And they all do that. They say they don't, but they all do that, Mike. The 49ers have a quarterback who easily could feel disrespected now that Trey Lance is in the fold. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be gone at some point. The question is when. I think yesterday Kyle Shanahan was on Rich Eisen's show and he said that Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter for now. That For now. For now means it could change at any time for reasons separate from the fact that the individual in question could die. Uh, here's Jimmy Garoppolo living long enough to be on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio talking about his situation currently in San Francisco. There's been no part of this that has made you feel uncomfortable or frustrated at all, huh, Jimmy? No, not really. Like my dad was saying, I mean, my dad's electrician blew up and grew up in a blue-collar uh, household. I don't know. It's just one of those things you got to roll with the punches. And whenever an opportunity presents itself, you got to be ready to take advantage of it. That's kind of what I've done throughout my entire career, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. So, like my dad said, nothing's going to be handed to me. Nothing's going to be handed to anyone in this league. Just uh, you got to go in there and work. Well, you got to go in there and work, and the key is you got to stay healthy. And, and, and look, that's been the book on Jimmy G. He had a four-game audition in 2016, got injured in week two. That was during the Tom Brady deflategate suspension. Then 2018, week three at home. No, not at home, at Kansas City on the sideline. Got to, you know, these guys, that, that, that testosterone takes over, drops the shoulder, blows out his ACL, delivering a blow to a defensive back and done for the year. And then this past year, ankle injury misses 10 games. And, and that's why the 49ers are moving on. And I, I don't know who's going to trust him to be the guy all season long. And the, the 49ers are playing this dangerous game of chicken, holding out to get value for Jimmy Garoppolo, because wouldn't it be perfect if Garoppolo played all year, healthy all year, like 2019, they win all year because they have a great team. And the next thing you know, they're back in the Super Bowl. And three first-round picks and a third-round pick is holding the clipboard all year long and possibly backing them into a corner next year where they got to keep Jimmy G if they end up having a spectacular season and he proves everyone wrong. And all it took was a major investment in Trey Lance to get Jimmy Garoppolo to finally be the guy they wanted him to be, Shereen. I was just sitting here thinking about it parallels the Aaron Rodgers conversation, right? In some ways. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a three-time MVP, including last year when he won his third. And Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done that yet, we know. But he's been a capable quarterback when he's been healthy, Mike. And you nailed it. Missing those 23 games over the last three years is really why they're ready to move on from Jimmy G. That's part of the evaluation is being able to stay healthy. And he hasn't been able to do that over the course of his career. So if he can do that, he perhaps changes the timeline for Trey Lance to come in and play for the 49ers. And maybe it does Trey Lance good to, to sit and watch because he has, what, 17 college games that he's played and not in a Power 5 school, I might add. So maybe he needs that time to grow and learn. At some point, it's the same thing with Jordan Love. He's going to take over as quarterback of the 49ers. And now it's up to Jimmy Garoppolo to change that timeline. And he can do that by leading this team to a Super Bowl because I think it's fairly obvious that he's going to be on this roster, at least for now, at least until – Somebody blows them away with an offer, and perhaps that doesn't happen this season. So if he can stay healthy, 
He may stay in the lineup all year, but that's the question, Mike, and it's been the question for Jimmy Garoppolo. Can he stay healthy? So far, the answer has been no, a loud no. But he has been a lot. Yes, that is the good news. Two very quick notes on the way out the door. Alejandro Villanueva signing the day with the Ravens. He probably wishes he had waited a day because his yeah. former position coach in Pittsburgh, Mike Munchak, now the off, uh, deep offensive line coach in Denver, may have cajoled GM George Payton into giving Alejandro Villanueva a phone call and offering him more than what the Ravens are paying. And secondly, Juwan James did indeed suffer that season-ending injury away from the facility. That means no money for him this year, $10 million gone. And remember last year when he sat out, he gave up $10 million. So it's a $20 million swing for Juwan James over the last two years. Unfortunate for him, but this is why we've been saying show up at the facility to work out. Because if you do it there and you suffer that fluke injury that no one thinks is going to happen to them, if it happens to you, you're protected financially. If it happens at at Planet Fitness or in your backyard or at the high school that you, you played football at years ago, it's on you. And the team is, especially this year, not going to pay you because this is part of that back and forth between the league and the union. Let's take a break. Which reunited college duo will have the biggest impact next season? We're going to discuss that next here on PFTPM. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, one of the things that we saw last week with the 2021 draft, some reunions of college teammates, most notably and most significantly Jamar Chase, the fifth overall pick in the draft, a receiver from LSU who was great with Joe Burrow in 2019, opted out for 2020, and the Bengals at a time when some believe they would go offensive line to help protect Joe Burrow as he recovers from that torn ACL and take Penny Sewell, they went with Jamar Chase. So, uh, Shereen, which college teammates reunited thanks to the draft will have the biggest impact? And we can start there because I would suspect we'd both agree, given the impact they yes. had together at LSU, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, assuming Burrow is healthy, could be a special combination in Cincinnati. Absolutely. That's where I would start, Mike. And you look what Jamar Chase did in 2019. He was the best receiver in football, 84 catches, 17 80 yards and 20 touchdowns. He was outstanding with Joe Burrow as his quarterback. And now they're reunited in Cincinnati. 
And you look at that receiving core all of a sudden, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and, and now Jamar Chase, who they drafted to be their new quarterback one, I mean, uh, receiver one, to replace A.J. Green. This is a really good receiving core. I'd like to see them upgrade at tight end. It's probably too late to do that unless you do some sort of trade or something. But I do like the receiving core, and I think he has a lot of weapons on offense, including the running backs there to build around. This could be a really good offense this season, Mike. And, you know, something Sims and I talked about earlier today, the idea that they went with an interior offensive lineman top around two who could eventually kick out the left tackle. But for this year particularly, when you when you look at the concern that Joe Burrow is going to have, like Carson Palmer did in 2006, the first year post-ACL tear, when you're worried about that plant leg, yep. I would be more concerned about blocking for Joe Burrow up the middle this year. So he has some security. So he has some confidence that that knee is not going to get caved in again. And then you can develop that guy if you choose to into the into the left tackle. So, yeah, I think there's going to be an incredible um, connection between Chase and Burrow. And look, if you can, it's you can either, as I said last week, you can either draft the guy that gives you more time to throw. Or you can draft a guy that's going to get open fast enough that you can get rid of the ball more quickly. That's what they went with, and I think that would be great. You know, uh, the, the idea that the Jaguars ended up with both Trevor Lawrence mm. and Travis Etienne, both in the first round, a couple of Clemson guys. Now, Urban Meyer came out and said he really wanted to get Kadarius Tony, and Travis Etienne's got to wonder, well, what the hell, man? I mean, you know, what am, how am I supposed to feel about <laughs> the fact that you wish someone else had been on the board when you when you settled for me? But we saw that Clemson offense, and that's just you know, it's it's just one of those intriguing things. College coach who was wildly successful, quarterback and running back from a team that was wildly successful. Does it translate to the NFL? We'll find out. But uh, if it does, it's going to have a lot to do with Lawrence and ATN reunited in Jacksonville, Shireen. Yeah, I like that. They come from a winning program, Mike. They were 39-3 and over the last three years. We know they won that national championship uh, in 2018, and they lost the national championship in 2019. So this is a duo who knows how to win. They know how to create yards. They know how to create points. And I think this is going to be really exciting for the fans in Jacksonville who have long wanted something to cheer about again. It's been a long time since this team has been this excited about a season, and I think they have all the right to be excited about this team and building and the future of the, these Jaguars in Jacksonville. Apparently today, Tony Khan, the son of owner Shad Khan, said that Tim Tebow will, will help the Jaguars, according to Urban Meyer. Yeah, the, the, where it counts the most. This is ultimately a business, and they're selling tickets, and they're building legitimacy, and the folks in Jacksonville are excited. And what better way to add to it? The icing on the cake, local hero, Tim Tebow, joining the team as a tight end. It's just a matter of time before it happens, folks. Get, get ready to peel the Minshew off the back of those jerseys. You can, you can keep the W and add a T-E-B-O because 15 is going to have a, a far different meaning in 2021 than it ever has before for the Jaguars. All right, let's take a break. Busting open the mailbag. Some great questions today. We'll do that when PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay, my interview with Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, coming up in about six or seven minutes. So Shireen and I have some time to wrap up the live portion of the program with some questions from the mailbag. Frank Lowe 9, great question from him. Did the Giants draft a trade with the Bears set them up for a trade for a quarterback in 2022, such as a Russell Wilson? And you think about it, the Giants picked up Chicago's first rounder next year. They'll have their own. You could throw in 2023. There's your three. And whether it's Russell Wilson, remember he was linked to the Giants a couple of years ago when the rumor mill was starting to churn as Russell was trying to get that big new contract. The Giants did come up in that conversation at the time. Or it could be Deshaun Watson. Or it could be Aaron Rodgers. It could be anybody. Because this is the upper out year for Daniel Jones. No more excuses for Daniel Jones after they give Kenny Galladay all that money. They draft Kadarius Toney. They've got Saquon Barkley. They've got weapons galore offensively. They want to see a Josh Allen type of a jump from Daniel Jones. And if it doesn't happen, Shereen, I think everything's on the table for next year, including packaging first-round picks to go get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or whatever other quarterback that's out there that we think is happy decides he wants a fresh start somewhere else. Mike, I love what some of these teams have done. Washington, the Giants, the Broncos, perhaps the Raiders, although they have cars, so their situation is a little bit different. But some of these teams who we know have an obvious need for a quarterback, and they sat back and they preach patience. You look at Ron Rivera, preach patience about finding that quarterback. And some of these teams are going to end up with a Deshaun Watson, a Russell Wilson, or an Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to be better for it, and they're going to be better than some of these quarterbacks who were drafted. I realize these guys are younger, but we see it every year, Mike. These quarterbacks come into the draft, and they don't make it, and that's where Daniel Jones is right now. We can talk about the injuries all we want. Joe Judge went on. His injuries were serious. 90% of the players in the league would have had to sit out from these injuries. He didn't have Saquon Barkley. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. It's all done now. Go get it done this year or you will be replaced next year. And I think the Giants will be sitting pretty when it comes to finding a quarterback next year if he doesn't get it done this year. And and you know what? Something occurred to me. We had Carson Wentz want out of Philadelphia. He got out of Philadelphia. We had Russell Wilson want out of Seattle. That has dissipated for now. Deshaun Watson wanting out of Houston, that's dissipated for different reasons. Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay, that's four out of 32 starting quarterbacks. Who's the next wave? 
of young quarterback that wants out. Matthew Stafford went out of Detroit and got out. So there's five. Who's the next wave of established quarterback that wants out? I I think it's foolish to not at least be wondering. I'm not going to name names here. We all have access to the standings. You can look at the 32 teams. You can consider the quarterback situations. And I think the broader message here is that all these other quarterbacks are watching this. And you get unhappy with your situation, Shireen. You start rattling the cage. You want out. You want out. You want out. And you do it privately. You do it publicly. You do a little bit of both. But as more and more guys are doing it, more and more guys who aren't happy with their teams are going to feel emboldened to do it. And a lot of it's going to depend upon how good the team is around them and how much they're listening to them. A couple of factors. And, And third, how much he gets paid. How much he's paid, how much they listen to him, and how good the talent is around him. Guys could say, I'd rather go somewhere else. Here's a question that came in via email from Matthew in England. I want to touch on this one because I, I like this, not that I endorse it, but it's something that other players have done in other cities and other settings. Could Aaron Rodgers show up and claim an injury so that he gets paid and still keeps leverage by refusing to play? This is holding in. You can hold out or you can hold in. And there have been guys over the years who will show up and will either not play through an injury that they otherwise would play through if they were happy, or just flat out, sorry, oh, my back. Guys have done that. Guys have done that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will do it. I think if he's there, he's going to play. But it is a weapon that's available to players, and it's very hard for teams to deal with it because then you have to be the one to be the the bad guy who suggests the guy who's injured, who claims he's injured, really isn't. How are you going to prove that he isn't? Yeah, well, go back to Jalen Ramsey. I can't remember how many injuries he went through before he finally got his trade to the Rams, right, Mike? But he got his trade to the Rams. It happened. And so guys certainly can do that. Not a proponent of it, but they have done it. They will do it. And and it's a way for them to get their way. And it's worked. It's proven. I'm surprised more guys haven't taken advantage of. And again, I'm not saying that I would agree with this approach, but you got millions of dollars at stake here. I'm surprised more guys haven't taken advantage of, you know, I, I, I'm busy today. I think I may have gotten a concussion in the game the other day. Well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm still having headaches. I mean, how do you, how do you disprove that? And I think guys use soft right. tissue injuries to that effect. You know, the hamstring is usually one of the things that can linger and linger and linger. So uh, I, 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 we're on the same page. We don't condone it but be naive yeah. to think it never happens. I'd be stunned if it happens with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he would do something like that, Shereen. No, I, absolutely. I think Aaron Rodgers shows up, and he's going to be all in if he shows up. The question is, is he going to show up, Mike? And I right. think the answer right now as we sit here today is probably no. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If he's there, he's all in. The question is, will he be there? And uh, we'll find out sooner rather than later. You'll hear from... Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, very soon. My interview with him next here on PFTPM. Joining us now, longtime executive with the Pittsburgh Steelers, also general manager of the team for a number of years. He is Kevin Colbert. Kevin, welcome back. What's going on, Mike? Glad to be here. Oh, great to talk to you. Always look forward to talking to you after the draft. This year, though, different than usual. Can you help 
the non-scouts, the non-football people understand just what a challenge this year was in comparison to a normal year? Well, you know, when you look back on 2019, we had a normal fall, we had a combine, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and we had to shut down the pro days. Uh, this year, um, we were able to get out in the fall, albeit in a different format, uh, which was fine. We could get at least to get to see some live looks. Uh, we didn't have a combine, but we had pro days. And the pro days were restricted on the number of people that could go and your, your ability to access the players. So it, it's been different, um, but we were able to get all the information um, that we could, and hopefully we used it in a, in a good manner. What does it mean for a team to not be able to have the private workouts? It's now been two years without those. Yeah, you know what? I, I really can't answer that because we don't subscribe to the private workouts. In our opinion, if a player participates in the combine and he goes to his pro day and, and participates there, that's enough for us. If we can't figure it out from those two um, exposures, then we're probably not good enough at what we do. So we've never used the private workouts and we never will either. Well, you managed to figure out, based upon the available information, that Najee Harris was the pick in round one. I love the fact that it was 49 years after Franco Harris was the first round running back, and it's clearly an area of need. What is it that attracted you to the Alabama running back? Well, Najee is, you know, he's a, a well-rounded running back that played in a pro system. He made NFL runs routinely. And he could also play in, in the passing game, both as a receiver and a blocker. He's basically a, a three-down back at, in an NFL or coming from an NFL-like system and plugging into a similar type system. So he made NFL runs at the collegiate level. He did it at a, at a high level. He helped them win a national championship. So hopefully he can help us win some games. You know, a couple of years ago, Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, told Bill Belichick in a documentary on HBO that he's surprised how few coaches and scouts actually call him. Did you guys tap into Nick Saban's knowledge, expertise as it relates to Najee Harris? No, we didn't. I mean, we have, you know, we have several contacts there. If we, you know, usually we won't get into contact in a head coach unless there's really one specific question. I mean, those guys have to deal with, you know, several players and hundreds of different types of calls. And, you know, that's one part of their job. And I'm sure they would help if, if need be. But we're very sensitive to the head coach's availability and time. And, and occasionally we will reach out, but most often we do not. When people try to understand what went wrong with the Steelers running game last year, there are different reasons, different factors that could be pointed to. The fact that you used your first round pick on a running back, I think would cause an objective observer to say, well, they, they must not have felt good enough about the guys they had, so they upgraded there. Is that a fair assessment of what was wrong last year, that you just needed to upgrade the quality of the players? Well, we think, you know, anytime you talk about the running game, you, you talk about what starts up front. Uh, you talk about your receivers being able to get open, your quarterback being able to complete passes, having a, a well-rounded passing game that opens up things for the running back, in addition to having a capable runner. Uh, we had capable runners last year. Um, our offensive line went through a transition, and, you know, hopefully we're going to come out the other side of it. But it's comprehensive, and when we had the, the opportunity to take a guy like Najee, 
we think that will help significantly with our run game. Jerome Bettis had some comments to Ed Bouchette of The Athletic last year that resonated with me. Bettis said, the running game is something that starts in training camp, the commitments in training camp, the mindset, the blocking, everything that goes along with it. And if you don't have it from day one, it's hard to pick it up halfway through the season. Was that part of the problem last year, that maybe the commitment wasn't there from the outset of training camp for whatever reason? No, I mean, honestly, you know, going into the season – um, we were very successful. We, we got to an 11 and 0 mark doing what we were doing. And then we didn't, I mean, we didn't, we didn't play well down the stretch, albeit the running game, not being up to par, the passing game, not being what it was in the beginning. And of course the defense not being what it was. So we were successful offensively, uh, albeit without a real devastating run game. And in the end, it was the, it ended up being the worst in the league. And that of course is part of, you know, our failures down the stretch, but ultimately it, it's a three phase thing and we have to improve in every phase. There are many Kevin who believe that no team should take a running back in round one, that they can be gotten in any round. They can be gotten undrafted like an Arian Foster or most recently a James Robinson what traits do you need to see before you will put a running back's name on a card in round one as opposed to addressing another area of need? Yeah, I mean, I don't buy into that. We don't buy into that um, belief uh, at all. Uh, again, if a player we think is a, is a very good player at the collegiate level and we think he can be a very good player at the NFL level, regardless of the position, uh, we'll, we'll take him in that first round if he's available. Uh, I've said it before, I've been in round two Hall of Fame running backs that were both first-round picks in Jerome Bettis and Barry Sanders. And, you know, we were fortunate on each team to have those people with us. So we don't buy into that. You know, the only true value I search for is how many games can we win and can these players help us win a Super Bowl? Is using a first-round pick on a running back an indication that this guy's going to come in, he's going to play, he's going to be on – the field every down. We're basically going to use this guy because we invested so much in getting it. Yeah, usually with your first round pick, you know, into your second, sometimes your third rounders, you want them to be three down backs. And, you know, that'll be up to Coach Tomlin and his staff uh, as to how quickly Najee gets on the field and how much they use him. But we do know that he's capable of playing all three downs, and that'll just be worked out throughout the summer. One of the worst kept secrets leading into the draft was the idea that the Steelers were looking running back. A lot of mock drafts had the Steelers linked to Najee Harris. How nervous were you as the picks were coming off the board that someone was potentially going to jump the Steelers at 24 and get him before you could? Yeah, there was really nothing we could do. I mean, we knew we weren't trading up. We needed all of our draft capital um, throughout the draft. And we, we, made a decision we won't be trading up. We also made a decision that if certain players are there, we won't trade away from them. And Najee was one of those players. So really we lay it out and we know what order we would take the 24 players that could get to us um, and, and in the order that we would take them. So we just waited out. And if we have to trade up like we didn't a couple years ago for Devin Bush, then maybe we do it or trade back. But we just waited it out, and if Naj was there, he was going to be our pick. We were certain about that. One of the big questions for the Steelers offseason, and it seems like it was resolved so long ago because so much has happened in the league over the last three months, was the future of Ben Roethlisberger. 
Is it the team's anticipation that it's one more year with Big Ben, or is it let's just get through this year and see where we go from here? Yeah, I think Ben's mindset is he's focused on 2021, as we all are. And I think we all go into it and we we focus now. We see where things lead. But beyond that, none of us know. And uh, obviously, Ben's at the in the back end of his career. Um, he was terribly disappointed the way we ended, the way he ended. And, you know, it was shortly after the end of the season, he came to us and said, listen, I want I want to be back. You know, of course, we had to work out some things contractually. And and honestly, he set off a nice little surge for us because we had several players that were able to come back to us. But Ben led the way by taking that pay cut. And, you know, the Steelers strike me as one of the teams that when the organization says we're trying to win the Super Bowl every year, it's not just a gimmick to sell tickets. It's not just an understanding that the chances of winning it any year are slim. It seems to me like the Steelers go all in every year. Was the Roethlisberger signing that indication that without question, that's the goal this year, that we think we have the talent, we think we can address the issues from last season and get over the hump in 2021? Well, we know. I mean, the goal will never change. I mean, you know, you're either you're either winning a Super Bowl if, if you don't, you failed. And we know that having been on our team in 2021 gives us a better chance than not having been on our team because he is, he's still a significant player. Uh, we think he can still play at a high level and hopefully we've got the talent around him to help him do that. How does having a 17th game in the regular season this year affect your job as the person responsible for picking the players, getting them on the roster, knowing which guys are going to be able to play 17 and what plans you have to have in place in the event that some can't. You know what? That's an unknown to all of us. Um, we know what 16 is like. Uh, we know what a four-game pre preseason is like leading into 16, but none of us know what a three-game preseason will be like leading into 17. You know, we play four because of the Hall of Fame game this year, but I think we'll all be learning that um, how to manage this, but it'll be it's going to be a new endeavor for everybody. The Steelers are a model of consistency and continuity in the NFL. That's no surprise. Mike Tomlin got a contract extension earlier this offseason. There's still a group of fans that get riled up easily when there's adversity and they want to change coaches. And that surprises me because so many coaches around the league have immense respect for what Mike Tomlin has been able to do. What do you say to the fans out there who just seem to have this quick trigger? that when things aren't going well, we got to change the coach in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, I think that's just the territory that, that we live in. And, and honestly, Mike, it's our own expectations are much higher than anything from the outside. As you mentioned before, um, Super Bowls are all we measure ourselves by. So when we come up short, we, we feel, we feel, and we, we don't feel good for a whole year until we get another chance to try it again. So any, any external uh, type pressure really doesn't bother us as much as the internal uh, pressures that we put on ourselves to put the best team out there to try to win a Super Bowl. How surprised were you that the way the dominoes fell, Juju Smith-Schuster ended up sticking around in Pittsburgh for at least another year? We knew, or we felt going into this offseason with the, you know, with the cap going down, it was going to be a difficult road for a lot of free agents. And we felt that there was probably going to be a lot of short-term deals because players would want to get back out there. Um, 
you know, and, and test the market again next year when hopefully the cap goes up. So we always left the door open. You know, we encouraged our players, look, find out what's out there, do the best you can, and then, you know, call us, keep us in the loop, and maybe we can figure something out. So in Juju's case, uh, it was great that, you know, we were able to keep him with us because, as we mentioned earlier, he can help us and he can help Ben uh, try to win a Super Bowl. One of the big drawbacks for last year from the Steelers' perspective is hardly any fans at the games because of the local rules and regulations. Do you know anything at this point about what locally and across the state in Pennsylvania the rules are going to be for fan attendance or at least the expectation for fan attendance when September rolls around? No, we're all just very hopeful that, again, things return to normal, not just for our fans or our game or baseball or hockey. You know, obviously there's a lot more important life issues that that need to be, you know, solidified as well. So we'll always, you know, adhere to the protocols. We keep our fingers crossed that we can get back to full stadiums. And, you know, it's a more, you know, it's a more viable, lively event. And, you know, again, if we can achieve that without um, endangering our fans or our players, then great. I spoke with Juju Smith-Schuster recently, and I asked him about his comment from, from before the playoff game against Cleveland, the Browns is the Browns, and the lessons he's learned from that. What lessons, if any, and he was very candid with me, that he understands that it motivated the Browns when he said what he said. What lessons do you want the players to learn from that moment and the ways that an, an opponent can get itself riled up a little bit more based upon the things that are said in the media? Well, again, all I, all we can look at is the result of the game. You know, Cleveland played a great game against us in the playoffs, and they won, and we went home. So we always will look back on what didn't we do correct uh, to get the, the result that we wanted. So we all learn from every aspect of that. And, you know, Juju can speak for himself on that matter. But, again, we always look at each other. We look at ourselves and say, what, didn't, what could we do better so to not have the same result? Schedule release is coming next Wednesday. What's the first thing you look at when the Steelers schedule drops? Honestly, it's just who who's who's number one. Who, who <laughs> are we opening up with? Beyond that, none of us can. Uh, we can't focus on anything else but the opener. Um, we're all going to play eight home games. We're all going to play eight away games. That doesn't bother us. Um, how there's how they're scheduled. We have no control over, so let's just see who's number one and let's let's start focusing on that opening game. And as always, the goal in Pittsburgh is to be number one when the season ends in February, this time around in Los Angeles. Kevin, we appreciate some of your time. We know you're busy. Even though the draft is over, the work never ends. We hope to talk to you again soon, and we congratulate you on the success of the Steelers in 2020. I know you didn't get to where you wanted to be, but it was a good season, and hopefully you guys can get to where you want to be this year. All right, Mike. Thank you. You have a great summer now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.